technology is available today. You don't have to do that much heavy lifting. You can personalize that course purchase journey based on your consumer base and enable the right options and solutions every step of the way. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. In our coverage of marketing and customer experience, it seems like lately a lot of the focus has been on acquisition methods, new ways to retain your customers using compelling marketing, content, influencers, things of that nature. But more and more, I'm seeing the post-purchase experience come to the forefront. Why is that? What's driving this new emphasis on what consumers see, consume, experience after they click the buy button? To get to the answer, I sat down with Amit Sharma, who's founder and CEO of Narvar. And there's a reason. Narvar is focused on that post-purchase experience and is helping brands of all sizes and across categories really dig into that experience and find out ways to turn the post-purchase journey into a brand differentiator. Listen in because we uncover some complexities, opportunities, and reasons why if you're not focusing on post-purchase, you really should. Listen in. Amit, thanks so much for being on the show. It is great to meet you. No, likewise. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, and I'm glad you're here because we are digging into a very timely and increasingly important topic, it seems, for the industry, and that is the post-purchase experience. Before we get into the why and the how of the entire conversation, I thought it would be helpful for everyone listening if we just kind of set the stage with a clear definition of the post-purchase experience. What does that mean to you? How does Narvar define it? And what tactics or strategies kind of rest under that definition? Now, for sure, it is important to discuss post-purchase. So from Narvar's perspective, post-purchase has few attributes. One is how do we go and set the right expectations, first of all, with the consumer's what's going to happen after an order is placed online or in store. So setting expectation, a proactive communication throughout the process once the order is placed, which is where the post-purchase comes from. And then last but not least, relevant and pertinent actions that consumers can take once that communication is established. So those are the two or three key elements of how we define post-purchase. Great. Super helpful. So with that, I mean, We've been covering it a lot more on the retail touchpoint side. And as we've kind of dug into the customer-facing issues or trends surrounding post-purchase and why it's important, I personally had kind of had like an, oh, duh, like this is an important moment, you know, just as a consumer myself, obviously. But like I said, it seems like conversations, analysis, best practices surrounding post-purchase have really accelerate, I would say, probably over the past year or so. I mean, why do you think this is happening now? Like what consumer factors, economic factors, industry factors, whatever you think is most important. I mean, what's really driving the urgency here? So a couple of things. If you look at consumers and shoppers, we are spending more and more of our time digitally. 
and different technologies that we are consuming outside of just pure commerce or retail. I mean, an example would be even when we look at streaming music, talking about even in a ride-sharing apps, they all are actually influencing how do we actually address the wait period. I mean, if you look at Uber or Lyft, they do a really good job in terms of telling you once you request a, a ride, what is the wait period, where is that person, and they keep that communication going. Even before, by the way, you, you, know, you request for a ride share, they do that. All that to say consumers' expectations are often influenced by other technologies that we are consuming our, in our daily lives. That's number one. Number two, some of the more sophisticated and, and progressive companies and players in the retail industry, such as Amazon, or if you look at other players, they are doing a decent job of keeping customers up to date. And last but not least, especially in last year and this year, there has been so much supply chain disruption where consumers have a little bit of an anxiety. They may not be confident once they place an order, how long would it take for them to receive their goods early, on time, or late? So to combine all of these things have become a lot more amplified in the last year or two where consumers are expecting more proactive and consistent communication throughout their shopping journey. Interesting. That that convergence of retail-specific issues and just daily consumer habits and preferences really makes for a really strong picture. So I guess my question to that end is, have retailers, before this point, been giving the post-purchase experience the proper time, attention, budget? Like, has it been getting the focus behind the scenes that it needs? I mean, you can look at this from your personal experience at Narvar or just more broadly. I think it's a combination, right? There are progressive retailers who have made consistent improvements over the years, and some are still catching up. It also is important to define the right value drivers or KPIs that are needed for business to really invest in post-purchase. So, I mean, off late, this has become more and more mainstream, but over the years, some companies have invested, some are not. And uh, communication overall, if I look back for the last five to seven years, has certainly improved and, and making a positive progress in that space. Got it, got it. So as brands and retailers think about improvements they need to make to this post-purchase experience, the investments they need to make, how should they be thinking about post-purchase as part of their overall customer experience strategy? And to your point about KPAs, like how can they connect it to business outcomes? Like is it a retention and loyalty play? Is it an acquisition play? Like is there opportunity across the board? Like how should they be thinking about this and breaking it down from a business standpoint? Yeah, I think first and foremost, Retailers who are getting up to speed or are now spending some cycles here in post-purchase historically have thought about customer service as post-purchase. And the way we feel here at Narvar is that customer service is very reactionary in, in uh, motion. Only when there are issues that are occurring or customer initiating a contact via email, chat, or phone, only then brands are responding or reacting to it. So instead of customer service is really customer engagement. That's what this post-purchase is all about. So setting the right framework is really important. In terms of value drivers, there are a few things that you will see. Setting a right post-purchase experience will 
help brands to make progress in three specific areas in terms of KPIs. One is really driving the top line purchase. And I'll talk about that in a second where that comes into play. Second is reducing operational overhead or expenses. And then third is improving the overall customer satisfaction scores. So those are the three areas that we see where those KPIs can be defined and you can see clear value from post-purchase. Now, in terms of your second part of the question, is it just for retention or loyalty or, or acquisition? I think it's both. Oftentimes what we see when a consumer who is placing an order online, right about, about $75 or so, they are really keen on really understanding once that place the order, how long would it take for them to actually receive their order or goods? Or when can they go and pick it up if it is buy online and pick up in store? So oftentimes consumers will actually want to know what is that expected delivery date or pickup date. That's just on the outbound side of it. We also have done a lot of primary research where we have heard and gotten feedback from consumers that even they would look at the help and FAQ pages to really understand what are the returns policies for a given retailer. They would like to have a really good understanding so that the return policies are easy to understand and convenient to follow. And if they don't see those returns policies, they won't even go and place an order. So these two specific factors, promise dates and communication, and then ease of returns are two specific factors where we have seen it will play into even customer acquisitions. Play. Customers will not even place an order if they are not sure or confident about communication, shipping, or returns. No, that's really helpful. It's interesting to see, you know, how customer journeys can play out, right? Because, I mean, the, the big picture theme here is that consumers all have their different way of doing things, finding information, confirming whether this is the brand or retailer that they want to shop with. And of course, people are looking at all of those policies as part of that. So how can brands and retailers best determine how to shape or improve their post-purchase journey? Like, should they be doing journey maps? Should they be considering the end-to-end experience? Like, what kind of guidance does Narvar offer to help companies refine their focus and better prioritize this particular stage of the journey? Yeah, I mean, customer journey mapping is absolutely, it's a really great place to start and really having an understanding of your customer profile and preferences are important. But at the same time, what we have also learned, and retailers are doing that to large extent, this is on the outbound side of it. You will go to any online website and you will see retailers and brands are offering standard shipping or you know, expediting, expedited shipping or next day shipping. And, and if they have stores, they can say, you know, come to our store. So they're doing that to some extent on the outbound, on the shipping side of it. But same level of choice and convenience, how, when, and where consumers want to actually get their post-purchase communication or how they actually offer options for returns. Companies have not followed the same thread what they have done on the shipping side of it, on the communication or returns. So so for example, to your point, consumers' preference may be different based on the basket. If you are ordering a $25 item, you may not care as much of getting a text message as the item is getting prepared or it is going to be delivered a day later or on the day of. But if you're buying an item which is more than $1,000 or 
uh, may require a gift delivery, you may want to get in a more proactive SMS or WhatsApp notification. So that choice and convenience also depends for the same brand, but the item that consumer is buying and that consumer may use a different communications option. And same thing, by the way, applies for returns as well. Post-delivery, post-purchase doesn't end upon delivery. Post-purchase continue for returns, exchanges, and repairs and other, other use cases that consumers have all the time. And same thing on returns. If in one case, you may simply want to drop it off at a carrier network. On other cases, you may need help in terms of printing a label or getting a packaging. So that choice and convenience, just like on outbound, also is very important on the communication and post-delivery, which is the world of returns and exchanges. Got it. So as we get into providing that choice, providing that convenience for all consumers, you know, considering all of these different paths, these different possible purchases, it seems like the more we kind of dig into it, the more layers and possible complexities there are. So, I mean, what challenges do you find kind of rise to the top for Narva clients as they kind of dig into this post-purchase journey? Are there any common threads there? And how do you help them navigate them and and peel back those layers that we're talking about. You bring a good point when when there are a lot of choices and that's where prioritization of having a strong point of view also matter. So how do we think about giving the customer those preferences but also giving them the right priorities are important. So I think first and foremost I would say having a baseline proactive communication via email is really important for happy path when order is shipped on its way, uh, getting delivered. And then if they want to offer additional communication channels can be built upon it, whether it's SMS or any other social channel. So I think you have to prioritize that. And same thing applies on returns, you know, starting with giving the convenience of dropping off your order. And then also in nowadays what we have seen 30% 30% of U.S. households don't even have a printer at home. And if, even if they have a printer, oftentimes they may not even have ink or cartridge. So eliminating the need of printing a label and giving them the choice of dropping it off, those couple of things that retailers can start with and then layer on based on the products uh, they carry or the consumer base they have. So for example, if you have a luxury consumer base or if you have goods that are over generally $200, what we have seen Consumers also are nowadays gravitating for home pickup for returns. And in that particular case, brand may give the choice of dispatching a courier to go and pick up that item or that return from consumer's home. Not only now they are giving a valuable convenience tool to the consumer, but they can even get their inventory back. What we have seen in the data, almost 40% faster than waiting for consumer to drop it off on a location. So you can build some of these additional use cases once you have the baseline post-purchase infrastructure in place. Okay, got it. So it is kind of the ongoing process, right? Like you can kind of build the core and then over time possibly test and implement new components? Absolutely. I mean, it, it is, you're right. It is an ongoing hygiene, really understanding the different ways these can be catered to. And I mean, I think this is where, Alicia, you're bringing a good point. The other aspect of post-purchase, which hasn't been emphasized as much, what we call personalization. In retail, personalization is always associated with two areas. One is, can we personalize these products? Like if you have you know, a product, can you 
do embroidery or you can personalize in some kind of print on it. So that's on the product and merchandise side of it. Or how the e-commerce systems and the websites are designed, you can personalize that. But we have not applied the same approach on the post purchase. You can personalize that once you, and technology is available today. You don't have to do that much heavy lifting. You can personalize that post purchase journey based on your consumer base and enable the right options and solutions every step of the way. Got it. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. So in a way, it's turning or integrating, I guess you could say, post-purchase into that entire personalized customer experience that everybody is trying to accomplish or create within their brand experience. So to that end, have there been any shifts in terms of like who is involved in shaping this experience, like, is it largely e-com folks? Are there ops folks involved? Is marketing and customer service involved? Like, we're always seeing teams, like, work together in different ways. And, of course, it, it probably varies depending on the brand and how the business operates. But, I mean, who needs to be involved to create this vision, so to speak, and ensure that it comes to life effectively? And honestly, it's a very cross-functional initiative in, in nature. And it's just like any customer journey, post-purchase is just an extension of customer journey. So how do you touch point? What is the message? What do you want to communicate? Marketing has to play a role. You are dealing with the transaction and operational bit. That means e-commerce. And if you have stores, omni-channel, leaders are involved. And then on the other side, this is not just for acquiring a customer or having them place a second and third order or repeat purchase. You know, operational teams have to play a critical role with this customer service because today, if you look at it, among the top customer contact driver in a contact center is post-purchase. Where is my order? When can I get it? How do I get my refund? So these are the things that are driving significant cost either on the customer service or on the supply chain and logistics in terms of managing your shipping rates and your cost or fulfillment. And same thing applies to returns and and reverse logistics as well. So it's a very much cross-functional initiative that uh, brands have to keep in mind as they embark on really improving that end-to-end customer journey, including post-purchase. Yeah, it's really interesting to see the different input that these different teams can have. Like, I almost imagine these experiences being a collaborative exercise, right? So like, if this, then that. And then what happens? You know, it's kind of like a building blocks. And I feel like depending on what function you sit in, there could be a possible idea or new opportunity to make that experience better. So for instance, sending those proactive emails or text messages about order status, like, is there a way to include, well, while you wait, be sure to check out this blog about how to set up your product or how to use it. Like there could be possible breadcrumbs, so to speak, that keep the customer engaged, but most of all satisfied with the brand experience. Absolutely. So the way you can think about is on the immediate level, how do you meet the customer needs where customers looking for that information? Hey, where is my order? And if they're wondering when can they receive it? So how do we for first and foremost, meet that information and be uh, build, instill that confidence. And then higher level in the funnel, as you mentioned, you can talk about while you're waiting for the product, have you considered these other two, three options? Or have you, if you're buying an electronic device, have you backed up your phone or your iPad? So there are other things you can do while you're in the waiting period. Or it's just like 
if you're looking to get receive an item, make sure your room is ready. And then the most top of the funnel is brand association, how the product was made, what went behind the scenes, and if company has ESG or any sustainability initiatives or any role that they're playing in the community. If you bought something online, you have a store nearby and store is hosting any event or any demonstrations of new product that they're launching. There are a lot of things that you can really engage customer while they're waiting for those product. And all these things are the strategies, to your point, a brand can deploy by bringing all these various functions together and say, oh, how do we really engage while consumer is waiting to receive their goods or, or actually even returning their item? They can still use that funds to buy something new and different in their store or online. I love this, Ahmed. We're kind of putting the pieces together as we talk. I like it. So we're talking about all of these different elements, the different ways that we can bring different functions together to create this great experience. So speaking of data, right? Like what data is required? What system integration is required to make sure all of these pieces come together effectively, right? Because we're talking about marketing, even merchandising, right? If we want to promote other items, supply chain, operations, I'm sure there's complexity because, you know, there are partners like FedEx, for example, that come into play here. So what needs to happen under the hood, so to speak, to make this experience successful? So I think one of the other ways retailers can think about post-purchase is as follows. So there are three layers of post-purchase. One is the transaction or the communication. Second, on top of it, is all the relevant action that consumer can take. And then the topmost layer of the intelligence or the behaviors or the traits of consumers that you want to apply for action and for communication. So if you think about in that framework, for communication, there are two or three integrations that have to happen. For example, you have to connect with your order management system so that every order now can get an email or optionally if you can send SMS or text message. So that's one integration with the order management system. And then if they are building some solutions in-house, then they have to go integrate with various warehouses and carriers, UPS or FedEx or USPS to integrate. If they're using a third-party solution provider such as Narvars, and then we will bring all those integrations out of the box on day one. So the only integration is needed with order management. Now, if you are offering actions, whether customer can reroute their order or they can opt in for proactive communication or you have to now say what are the events in your stores, then you have to integrate on top of it, select system to offer uh, those additional use cases. And last but not least, if you really want to apply the personalization that we're talking about or intelligence on really personalizing that customer journey or behavior. This is a first-time customer versus a loyal customer, whether this is customer who is doing in a lot of in-store purchases or online purchases. Now, for that level of intelligence and personalization, then you have to connect with your CRM system. So that's how we think about those layered cake and enabling those experiences based on the use cases that brand is interested in enabling for their consumers. Excellent. So, I mean, to that end, I'd love to hear a little bit more about the level of support or experiences that your clients have in reimagining the post-purchase experience, if there are any even hypothetical examples or use cases to show the role that Narvar kind of plays in this process. 
No, absolutely. I'll give you two or three examples, specific examples. What we have seen that you know, upstream, as uh, we were discussing earlier, where what is the scope of post purchase? So first area is setting the right expectation. So either on the product pages or shopping cart or in checkout, showing the promise date, saying, hey, I'm at buying this order now on Tuesday. You get it tomorrow or Thursday. That drives conversion rate. And we have seen anywhere between 10 basis points to 25, 30 basis point improvement on the conversion rate by setting the right expectation in on your product detail pages or in shopping cart. So setting expectations is really important to drive that you know, value. Our retailers are really seeing that benefit there. In terms of once the order is placed, they're using the right campaigns, whether it is product recommendation or showing additional ways that they can get benefit out of it. We, I can give you a very specific example. We have retailers who have leveraged our platform and they realize this is the first time customer who's coming and shopping, showing additional promotions that, hey, do you have first time customer? If you buy something in next one week, we'll give you 10% off, which means it's not just the customer acquisition where they have used campaigns to drive the first order, but they also know if you place a second order or third order in in 15 days or in 60 days, your lifetime value actually increases by 20x. So how do we make consumer to place the second or the third order is really, really important. And having specific campaigns while they're waiting for their order, we have seen significant adoption of those tools and driving the repeat purchase. And last but not least on the return side of it, we have seen online returns are important to even convert the customer for the first time. Other example I'll give you there is that customers also are open to actually exchanging online. And we have seen, especially in apparel category, footwear category, in these areas where returns rates are high, but you also see anywhere between 25 to 40% of customers are actually exchanging because of size or, or the color or the fit that they are open to actually exchanging. So you can actually retain that sale even through uh, returns process by offering exchanges. Got it. That's amazing. Super helpful. So before we close things up, Ahmed, I always try to make sure that we spotlight any possible obstacles, challenges, red flags. Again, just given the complexity of post-purchase, all of the teams that are involved, is there anything that the folks listening now, anything that they need to be on the lookout for or carefully consider as they kind of go through this process of assessing their post-purchase experience currently, identifying improvements, prioritizing, all the things we talked about, are, are there any red flags or things to look out for? Yeah, I mean, as these things can get complex pretty quickly as we are going through customer journey, whether it's online only or in-store or other channels, defining that scope and the use case that you have in mind is really important. Are we really driving to reduce the customer contacts of frustration or we are driving to improve the overall brand. I think defining those high levels of use cases and aligning all the cross-functional team is really important. And then you can actually have this customer post-purchase customer journey in two or three phases. As I was describing, what happens during the order process online while the customer is waiting and then post-delivery. So scoping that out in two or three phases allows company to make progress, show some results before 
you take on all of these things together across the regions, across the customer base. So starting slow, much more focus and contain, and then expanding from there on, you will see a lot more progress and a lot more alignment cross-functionally. Awesome tip. So speaking of complexity, I'm curious, I'm sure in your role as CEO, your goal is to think big picture, think forward, you know, what's to come for the industry and and new consumer behaviors that may dictate expectations and decisions on the retailer side. Are there any new or emerging trends or opportunities in the post-purchase world that you think may rise to the top over the next year or may become a priority for Narvar? So for a couple of areas that, you know, where we are focusing on and really on the intelligence layer and g- capturing the consumer preferences. And that's one something that we are uh, spending some cycles on. So we touched upon it very briefly. If consumers' expectation is that, hey, I don't have a printer at home and I want to return it. How do you make it easy for me? So applying the data and intelligence to offer some of these choices is something that we want to make it very seamless and easy for brands and retailers to offer that to consumers. Excellent. Well, Ahmed, this has been a fascinating conversation. It'll be really interesting, honestly, to see what retailers invest in, what new elements they bring into that customer journey to create that transparency and create that alignment with the customer. It seems like there are so many opportunities. So thank you again so much for taking the time to break it down and discuss it with me. No, thanks again. I enjoyed our conversation here. And to all of you, hope you enjoyed this conversation. And if you have any follow-up questions or comments on this episode, you will likely find the episode and and all corresponding details on social media, on LinkedIn, at Retail Touchpoints, or on Twitter at RTouchpoints. We would love to hear from you. Just drop us a line there and someone from our team will follow up and maybe bring Amit into the conversation. And if you enjoyed this episode and want to get more, be sure to subscribe to the show using your preferred podcast player. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, frankly, anywhere else you listen to podcasts, we are likely there. When you subscribe, you can get the latest conversations, dig into the archives, and just make sure you get any new episodes as they launch. But for now, that's it from us. We will see you next time, everyone. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.